Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church. We're glad you're here. As we continue on in our study that we're doing uh, on the New Testament, really, but uh, through uh, right now the book of John, we're going about a chapter at a time. And this week we're going to be in John chapter 8. Um, we've already done the book of Matthew. We've done the book of Mark. We're going to go through John, and then we're going to go do Luke and Acts together because they follow very nicely. Um, the Gospel of John has been different than Matthew and Mark in quite a few ways, uh, although there's a lot of, uh, you know, it's still all about Jesus. But we, we see some sides of Jesus that we haven't seen uh, in Matthew and Mark. Um, we're being introduced to the I Am statements uh, and the things that uh, Jesus, uh, that John refers to Jesus that only he does in his Gospel. Uh, however, running current through all of them is the uh, problem with the Pharisees. And we've discussed that at length, that uh, Jesus came to tell people they could have a relationship with God. And he had to sort of undo all that the Pharisees had been teaching for a couple hundred years because they had made it impossible to engage in relationship with God because they put so many rules and regulations in that they'd lost the grace and mercy of God. There was love had been taken out of the equation. And in fact, they were uh, they, they taught people to be rather afraid of God. And uh, that's that's not what he's shooting for. And when Jesus came and introduced us to terms like Abba, Father, it undid the whole thing. And uh, the Pharisees, who were to uphold the law, we see them just not caring about the law at all. And they've been plotting for chapters already in this book about how to kill him. Not even paying attention to the big Ten Commandments, let alone the hundreds they'd added to it. Jesus is a problem. Let's kill him. So um, we've talked at length about how that works and and, uh, what that looks like. And uh, John 8 sort of continues the discussion. And we were talking last week about light and darkness. And we introduced, uh, you know, Jesus said in Matthew 7 last week to, to stop judging by mere appearance, but to make a right judgment. And um, we, we then began to talk about light and darkness and how the Pharisees continually judged out of the darkness of their hearts. And Jesus said, you know, we, we need to do differently. It needs to come from a different place. And you need to reflect the heart of God. And, he, and that thread gets picked up here in John chapter 8. Now, the first 11 verses of John, there's a little controversy over because they don't appear in the oldest manuscripts. And so um, uh, you'll, if you have them in your Bible, you'll see oftentimes that there's a big reference to that or there's a big gap between there and chapter 12 where um, the oldest manuscripts say that the, the book actually starts... I don't know what to tell you about that, only that I like the story in the first 11 verses, so I always keep it in. <laughs> but it really doesn't, other, other than as an illustration, it doesn't impact the, the book. And, and it, it sort of furthers the point that Jesus is making, particularly today we're going to look at um, this morality, that, that um, the Pharisees had a morality that was based on legalism and it, it darkness, and Jesus introduces a grace morality. And, and he doesn't um, act like sin is an issue, but he gives people hope. And the Pharisees didn't. And, and that's the real difference. And so we're going to talk about that today. But let's, uh, let's read. Uh, it's 59 verses, so it'll take a few minutes uh, in John chapter 8. I, I'll read it for you. You can read along. I squeezed it into there. I don't know if you can see it or not. Um, you can read along your Bibles if you'd like. John chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. 
they made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. That, that is a great illustration of the morality that we're talking about. And I'll dig into that as we go. But, but you see the morality of the Pharisees. It's very dark, and we'll explain why. And you'll see the grace morality that Jesus introduces to change things. Verse 12, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from, and where I am going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are right, because I am not alone. I stand with a Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two men is valid. I am the one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, Where is your Father? You do not know me or my Father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple area near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his time had not yet come. Once more Jesus said to them, I am going away and you will look for me and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. This made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that, I am the one, that I am the one I claim to be, you will indeed die in your sins. Who are you, they asked. Just what I've been claiming all along, Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is reliable, and what I have heard from him I tell the world. They did not understand that he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man... Then you will know that I am the one I claim to be and that I do nothing on my own but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many put their faith in him. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We're Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. I know you are Abraham's descendants, that you're ready to kill me because you have no room for my word. I am telling you that I have seen, the, in, I have seen in the Father's presence I'm telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence, and you do what you have heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do the things Abraham did. As it is, you are determined to kill me, 
a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the things your own father does. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and am now here. I have not come on my own, but he sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? He who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. The Jews answered him, Aren't we right in saying that you are Samaritan and demon-possessed? I am not possessed by a demon, said Jesus. But I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. I am not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. I tell you the truth, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. At this the Jews exclaimed, Now we know that you are demon-possessed. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. Yet you say that if anyone keeps your word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, whom you claim is your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not yet fifty years old, the Jews said to him, and you have seen Abraham? I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. And blessed be the word of the Lord. So, Last week, as I said, we talked about light and darkness and we, we talked about the Pharisees uh, had a morality that was about rules and, and regulations based in darkness. But the morality that's found in Jesus is based on grace and truth. It's based in the light. And, and as I said, he exhorted us to stop judging on mere appearances but to make a right judgment. And, and in John 8, what we see then is um, this grace displayed in the ministry of Jesus. So it starts with the story of the woman caught in adultery. And, and I think it pay, paints an interesting contrast of these two moralities. So here's, here's basically how it happens. Since the, the Pharisees are unable to arrest Jesus, because every time they go to arrest him, he slips away. That's got to be a little frustrating. <laughs> he's right there. Go arrest him. Well, now he's right there. Go arrest him. I always think that's pretty fascinating. It wasn't his time. You couldn't arrest him. What they decide to do is they, they, they're trying to figure out how to trap him in something that he'll lose favor with the crowd so then they can do what they want to do because the, the crowd is, is for Jesus at this point in histories. And so the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they bring a woman who'd been caught in adultery to Jesus and they challenge him with this question. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They figured they had it, that there was no right answer here. Because if he said don't do anything, then they could say, well, you don't keep the law. And if they, obviously, if he had her stoned, he, he would have been just like them uh, in the midst. And, and granted, by this time, this, this wasn't really, um, they weren't stoning a lot of women anymore at this point in time. It would have been very unusual for that to happen 
at this point in history. Not that it hadn't been years before, but by this time... It, and so they were putting Jesus on the spot with this whole question. And, and I like the story um, because, you know, Jesus, he, he always, I mean, of course he's God, so he knows what to say. But, but um, don't you like that he just sort of kind of kneels down and starts writing in the sand? And he's taking his time. Um, a lot of people think he's writing out a list of sins on the sand, you know, so people could see him. I don't, he could have been playing tic-tac-toe for all I know or anything else. We don't know what he writes. It never tells us. So, so we don't know what's happening. And then he stands up with a pretty good thing. He says, okay, listen, here's the deal. Let the person here without sin get the ball, get the ball rolling. You cast the first stone. I like that, that it says in the Scripture, then they all left the oldest ones first. The oldest ones had to leave first. you know why? Sorry, oldest people. Um, they had the most sin. <laughs> they had years of it built up. <laughs> That's just a thought. I don't really know that. Um, so here's, here's what you need to see um, by this whole process. Um, the legalistic morality of the Pharisees um, is very impersonal because the Pharisees didn't care at all about this woman. Not at all. They didn't care about her one bit. She was just a tool being used to trap Jesus. They didn't care for her at all. And yet Jesus cares about her. And, and despite the fact that she was guilty, he doesn't condemn her. The, the legalistic morality is also selective. Um, and, and by that, and it always is, you'll see it, it's very selective because, because the question would be, where is the man caught in adultery? They didn't drag him in. And, and last time I checked, it took two people to commit adultery. Where, where's, where's the man? See, it's very selective. They didn't care about this. They really didn't care about what's happening. They're just trying to trap Jesus. And, and, and yet what Jesus does is he raises the idea of a universal guilt. All of us have sinned. See, we're all in the same boat. Everybody in the room is a sinner. That's part of the deal. And, and uh, he says, if anyone in you is out sin, let it, them be the first to throw a stone at her. That her. But everyone there was guilty of sin. And see, that's, you have to get that. That's the basis of a grace morality. Um, we can't extend it until we realize that we're all sinners. The Pharisees, remember Jesus had already told them, you, you stand condemned already because you don't get the fact that you need a Savior. Because they wouldn't accept the fact that they were sinners. But grace morality starts with the basis of fact that you're a sinner. If you don't, you don't need grace. You don't need Jesus. You can work it out. You can be good enough. But that's not what the Bible calls us to. And so... Um, he, 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 he talks about this, but then here's what happens. Everyone there is guilty, but the judge withholds condemnation in an effort to offer life. That's the difference, see? He says, go and leave your life of sin. Um, the, the legalistic morality is always about punishment. It doesn't try and encourage right action. The motives are vengeful, not motives of righteousness. Jesus, however, has has different motives, and while he affirms the law's penalty for sin, the wages of sin is death, uh, and, and he demands sinlessness from anyone who would try and execute it. The only sinless person there was Jesus. He was the only one that could have condemned her. But he withholds his condemnation. Why? Because he's come to bring life. 
He's come to people, let people know that there's a way. Um, he, he withholds the penalty so she might go and sin no more. See, that's the difference. That's, that's what we've got to get a hold of. Um, as a church, we have to be careful that we don't grab a hold of that legalistic morality that, that moves into stuff without making right judgments and doesn't give people the opportunity to find life. doesn't allow us to, to offer them Christ so that they can come to know the truth. And, and as Jesus says in this thing, to, to be free. In verse 12, um, he, he talks about being the light of the world. And that light is, is the basis of this grace morality, which Jesus just demonstrated in that story in the first 11 verses. The grace morality cares about people. Um, it causes us, hopefully, to realize we're just like the sinner, not somehow superior to them. That's, where, that's the basis for legalism. The moment you begin to think that you are somehow superior to other sinners, you've missed the boat because you'll, you'll start to treat them differently. And we're not. We're sinners saved by grace. And, and what it should do is cause us not to bring condemnation, but for look to ways to extend the way, the truth, and the life of Jesus to those people who desperately need him, just like we do. And, and so there's, there's a big difference in the light and the darkness. He goes on in verse 13 through 20 to clarify, you know, his, his standing as the light of the world. And he talks about the fact that, that he's withholding judgment. But if he were to judge, it would be by the divine standards of the living God, not the sin-warped standards of man. Do you get one of the reasons we could never effectively judge anyone is that we're so warped out of the truth by living in a fallen world that we can't get it apart from the Spirit of God moving in. We don't have the basis. Sometimes people ask me, you know, why don't you do this, why don't you do that? I'm like, I don't want the pressure of making those rules up. It's the Spirit of God who makes those things up for people. I can, and, and we just we can't do that. And, and it's because we, we, you know, are, we're so warped in sin that, that we judge things wrongly, just like the Pharisees did. And, and he goes on in verse 21 through 30. He says that his, um, his actions and his teachings are from above based on the heart of God. While the Pharisees' understanding is rooted in this broken and sin-filled, sin-filled world. That's why they couldn't get it. That, that, that was the struggle. They, they wouldn't hear from God, even though he was right there uh, speaking to them. And he goes on in, in verse 31 through 38, and, he, and we see that in those verses, real life is experienced in relationship with Jesus by following his teachings. He said, if anyone follows my teachings, you are really my disciples. And that in him we might know truth. And it's not just a knowing in an in a intellectual way. It's an experiencing of God that happens to us in Christ. And that's what Jesus had come to tell everybody. You can be in relationship with God. Because the Pharisees, they knew a lot about the Bible. But they, they, they'd missed. They, they knew the, the book of the Lord and they'd, they'd lost the Lord of the book. And, and we have to be careful that, that our, our knowledge is, is not only that we intellectually get it, that we experience relationship with God that's available to us in Christ. And it's in that experience in the light of the world that we, we can begin to treat other people the way that we're supposed to, in, in love, caring for them, you know, drawing them by the Spirit of God to come to know Jesus and doing what we can. It's not always easy. Um, you know, some, some, some people are more difficult than others. Have you experienced that? (laughs) 
But we can stop and pray. If you ever get really stuck, kind of kneel down, do a little tic-tac-toe for a few minutes and see what the Lord gives you. What are you doing? Don't worry about it. I'll be with you in a minute. All right, Lord, I need something really good. Because <laughs> you probably wouldn't want to give people now a bag of rocks. You know what I'm saying? Cool. Now, here's another thing about this grace morality that comes out in verses 39 through 47. This, this grace morality is based in the light and the truth of Jesus. He says something fascinating. He said that it loves people that God loves. It loves people that God loves. Now, why is that important? See, there's something you need to know that, that God loved that woman caught in the act of adultery. He demonstrated it. And I'm pretty sure there's a verse that says something along the lines of, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. See, God loves people. Um, he, and he wants everyone to come into relationship with him. That's what this time is all about, for people to make that choice, to choose to follow Christ, to come into relationship with him. And, and yet the Pharisees have become filled with contempt and hatred. And whenever you see... The manifestation of contempt and hatred in a faith community, something has gone wrong. If that's what manifests itself, they've missed it somewhere. And, and you, you have to begin to look at it. And in our own lives, whenever we begin to hold other people in that sort of contempt that, that comes off in us being superior, we've missed the mark. Missed it somewhere. It's not the, the morality that comes from a relationship with Christ. And then um, he, he goes on in the last few verses there, and he has to deal with these accusations that, um, that everything that he's doing has this demonic um, origin. And uh, he, he ends with this statement that says he existed long before Abraham, when he says, before Abraham was born, I am. That I am, there is, is a definite tie into the Old Testament word Yahweh that the Jews wouldn't even say. And, and when Jesus said it, they, they looked... Now, they looked for rocks to stone him at that point in time because they rightly understood what Jesus was saying, they, that he was saying, at that point, I'm God. And, and they, they, couldn't, they couldn't take that. They refused to hear everything that he said in that discussion. And, and they looked for rocks to stone him, but, but he, he slipped away. It didn't work. And, and so um, they, were, they were right in in hearing what Jesus said. But their reaction was wrong. And, and we need to know that, that He is indeed, I am. And that we have life in Him. That, that truth is found in Him. And that we're to live in Him. And we're to continually seek Him and be careful that, that we don't get sidetracked and, and begin to miss what the, what the point of this all is. Is to, is to walk this thing out like Jesus did. We're, we're going to mess up. We're going to blow it. We're, we're going to do all those things. But, but we need to be making sure that that's our focus to extend the love of God to the people who desperately need it. And that's what's happening there in John chapter 8. And that is enough for today. If you're watching up in Williston, thanks for watching. Scott, Pam, Dave, Cindy, everybody else. God bless you guys. And uh, if you need prayer, they'll pray for you there. We're going we're gonna to pray here and uh, shut down for the night. So thanks for watching. And uh, if you guys have prayer requests, why don't you pass them up to me, and I will pray for you.